Welcome to McChesney Unchained, a new show on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Before we jump into it, we want you to know that this is a little different than our other shows. Matt McChesney is going to give you an uncensored take on what's going on in the football world, and if you have kids around, you may want to listen to this at another time. McChesney's opinions do not represent those of BSN Denver, but they are real, and they come from a CU legend who spent six years battling in the NFL trenches. Now, sit back and enjoy the show. Allison Chains brings you episode 43 of McChesney Unchained on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. I am your host, as always, Matt McChesney. Welcome to the show. Coming to you from 6-0 Studios here at 6-0 Football Academy, 6-0 Strength and Fitness. Check it out at 6-0strength.com. Uh, we'll obviously get into the Broncos game last night, but there's a lot that needs to be discussed here on episode 43. Uh, before we move forward, big thanks to... Our title sponsor, 10th and Uni. Uh, go to 10thanduni.com. They do unbelievable buff gear, t-shirts, and hats. I mean, I, I've got a, a closet full of stuff that I'm going to be rocking all fall. Make sure you check them out. Uh, they're awesome. 10thanduni.com. Use the promo code GOBUFFS, and they'll give you a nice little discount. And they're our title sponsor all year here on McChesney Unchained on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Okay, so we move forward. Number one, all right? <laughs> I saw this uh, on Twitter the other day, all right? And I can't remember who posted it. Who gives a shit? But it is a, a, an outline for how to keep your house from a temperature standpoint to curb global warming. Okay, listen to this. When you're at home, they want your house to be 78 degrees while you're sitting in your house sweating your balls off. And you're at work when you leave your house. You're supposed to remember before you leave it, God knows what time in the morning to sustain all this craziness. I leave at 4.30, so God knows how, how early you guys leave. They want you to switch your thermostat to 85 degrees. <laughs> so you're coming home to a fucking oven, okay? And then while you're sleeping, okay, you got to set it at 82. Now... Uh, I'm no, climat I'm no climatologist or scientist, all right? But I do believe that global warming is real, all right? I'm, I don't work in the oil and gas industry, so I don't have to pretend like it's not. Um, I, I can see. I can, noted I can only see one way, but I can still see. Right? And, you know, when Iceland is, you know, putting plaques up for glaciers because <laughs> they're losing them at a monumental rate, I mean, that global warming's real. But... If you're asking me to sleep in an 82-degree room, um, everybody go get a boat because we're fucked, okay? The, we're going to melt, and it's the downfall society is essentially inherently directly related to air conditioning. So, just think about how awful everything was before air conditioning. Just terrible. Can you imagine how hot it was in certain places? Everywhere. So if air conditioning is the downfall of human existence, well, then I'm glad I lived in the air I did. And I'm sorry to my sons because I love the air conditioning. I mean, I, shit, my house is at like 62. I'd keep it at 50 if I could. 
I walk into hotel rooms and I drop that bitch as low as it'll go. And I, I need to see snow coming out of the top of the air conditioner in the hotel. I'm getting my money's worth. So, yeah. Um, if AC is really the downfall of society, then shit. It was 95 degrees yesterday while the, while the uh, Broncos were playing the 49ers on Monday Night Football. So, yeah. Have fun trying to operate without air conditioning. Um, okay. Next Friday night is the Rocky Mountain Showdown. Uh, I'm pretty excited about it. I'm not going to lie. Uh, we'll talk about that. As we get closer to the game, but I did want to mention it. So get your mind right. It's the last time they're in Denver for a while. And maybe ever. I don't know. They're going to stop playing the game here in a little bit, which I hate. But I also want CSU to get their shit together enough to try and make a jump into a major conference. Because I feel that everybody will go to 16 eventually. And when they do go to 16 teams, the same way TCU and Utah jumped on the expansion train. CSU could potentially jump on the expansion train, and Colorado's big enough to have two Power 5 schools, and CSU's facilities are nice, and they can support a Power 5 school. So I'd like to think that that will happen. I don't know if it happens with Mike Bobo. If he is gone, I love the name Tony Alford, who's the running back coach and assistant head coach at Ohio State. I think he's the next guy in line at CSU. He's a CSU alum, and I think that he would be a great fit up there. He knows how to recruit. Um, I think Tony's a great guy. I know him personally, and I think he would be a great fit for CSU. But they've got to figure it out so they can get into a major conference. Just imagine how cool CU-CSU would be in Thanksgiving for the South one day down the road. So that that's the, the, the way that college football is going to go. One of these major conferences is going to fold, and they're going to take 70 teams or so to – you know, a, a different area. They're not dealing with the NCAA. They're going to scrap the NCAA and move forward. So you don't want to be one of the teams that's left out that has to stay playing under the NCAA restrictions. If you're a non-Power 5 school, that's pretty much what's going to happen. They're going to lump, you know, one AA and everybody's left. It's just going to be one big league and they'll roll, I guess. That's neither here nor there, but it's something to think about here. So we'll talk about the Buffs and the Rams moving forward as we get into the Rocky Mountain Showdown show later in the week, moving into next week as the game's next Friday. Uh, top 25 came out, and the same top 25 that was last year, you know, it's the same top five at least with Clemson, Oklahoma, Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State. It's just a different order. And that's cool, whatever. I despise top 25 rankings at the beginning of the year. I think they're totally irrelevant. So... Great. How's everybody doing after the first month? So they've got Nebraska ranked in there. It's like 24. They were 4-8 and eight last year. So I just I can't get behind all this, although the Buffs do play six ranked teams. Now, there's two ways to think about this. There's people that are like, oh, my God, Colorado's schedule is so hard. And then I think about it like, damn right, we play a great schedule. That's why you go to CU. I, I, I hated playing cupcakes when I was there, and I hate it when they play cupcakes now. I don't even want to go to the game. It's a waste. So I dig the hard schedule. I love what Rick George is doing, and I think it's going to benefit this team moving forward big time. All right? All right, so before we get into the Broncos here, because you know I like to keep it short and sweet. There's no reason to bullshit everybody. We don't need to take nine fucking commercial breaks on this show. Um, NFL banter, all right? Now, remember, it's brought to you by our friends at NeuroXPF.com. My man Kyle Turley and his wife Stacy Turley, they have an unbelievable product. We sell it here at 6-0. Uh, the MCT oil pills and the, you know, the, the tinctures and the muscle rub, they're all fantastic. Check it out at NeuroXPF.com. Promo code uh, 6020 and it'll give you 20% discount or you can get it here on site. All right, so NeuroXPF brings you our NFL banter. Number one, uh, OBJ, okay? So... 
So Beckham comes out and says that he thinks it was personal when the Giants shipped him to Cleveland to die. And I, I agree with him. I think the Giants got rid of him. You don't get rid of a premier receiver unless it's personal when you're drafting a first-round quarterback. And you have a guy like Saquon Barkley. Why would you go get rid of, of Odell Beckham knowing what he is unless you don't like his attitude? And look, there's a lot not to like, but he is the he's the anti-Antonio Brown. I think Beck, Beckham actually loves ball. He's just a little nuts. I think that Antonio Brown is good at football. He just doesn't like it. And he just is good at it and just does it. And that's why he doesn't like the grind and he won't do certain things. And he's such a fucking diva. I can't stand that guy. And the more this goes on with Antonio Brown, the, the more I despise him. So I don't know if it's really fair to lump the two together. I think Odell has a really, really, really good chance to be a Hall of Fame player wearing a Cleveland Browns jersey because he's people are forgetting that he's playing with Mr. Swag, Baker Mayfield, number one. But number two, he's playing with his best friend, Jarvis Landry. And Jarvis and him played at LSU together, and they they were awesome down there together. Again, how can you not recruit a quarterback to LSU to throw to those guys? I mean, Jesus. But now they're playing in the lead together with Baker. Freddie Kitchens is 100% about getting them the ball. They have a good tight end in, in, in Woke from Miami. They have a good backfield. They're going to be super explosive. Kareem Hunt came out and said that they were going to be as explosive as Kansas City last year, and he would know he was there. So I'd like to think that Landry and, and Beckham are going to hold each other accountable and push each other, and we're going to see greatness. And Cleveland, I hate to say deserve, but they deserve it. It's been a long time of shittiness. So I'm glad this is happening for the Browns. I think they have some real dudes on their team, especially on offense. If you look at the defense, though, Miles Garrett could be the defensive player of the year. Sheldon Richardson is a monster that they signed. They went and got Olivier Vernon from the Giants to compliment Miles Garrett. And you know multiple pass rushes are a problem. Just ask San Francisco starting offensive line last night. Or Monday night, excuse me. So, you know, the more you can get, the, the better. And it seems to me that Cleveland is building this the right way. And John Dorsey, John Dorsey turns this around and Cleveland gets back to rocking and going to the playoffs back in the day when they were rocking Kozar and, and the Sandman, Ozzie Newsome and Biner and all those cats. If they can get, if they can replicate that even a little bit, they're going to be building statues to John Dorsey. There's, everybody's going to be wearing a fucking John Dorsey type sweatshirt in Cleveland, man. He's going to, they're going to be printing them off. All right, so moving forward there, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Jerry Jones comes out and says, Zeke who? When they're talking about it like it's a joke, haha. I think it's a real dumbass move by Jerry. It just means if I'm Zeke, I'm definitely not coming back now. But at the same time, with two more years left on your deal, this is not a Dallas Cowboy or Jerry Jones problem, folks. This is a CBA problem. This is 100% the National Football League Sitting back and just resting on the fact that the players signed a horseshit CBA deal that limited another rookie's earning potential. Not only do you go four or five years in college without earning anything, but you get to the NFL and they limit how much money you can make there. It's like you got to be fucking Superman to get to your second contract in the National Football League. You can't make money playing football, not in America. I mean, it's unbelievable to me that this is acceptable. The next CBA, this is why the players shouldn't play. And look, I'm going to use the Philip Lindsay example, okay? last The last two shows ago, we were actively talking about Adrian Peterson 
going bankrupt and losing over $100 million. And on Monday Night Football, fucking Booger McFarlane has the audacity to give Philip Lindsay shit and tell him he needs to move out of his parents' house when he's an undrafted rookie on a $500,000 contract, which Uncle Sam takes 50% of, and you're telling him to go buy a house and get in debt? I mean, come on, Booger. What kind of advice is that on national TV, you asshole? If anything, I think what Phil's doing is very, very noble. He's supporting his family. He's helping them out. He helps his brother Marcus out. I mean, he, he's the breadwinner right now. He's helping his, his dad. He, he helps everybody. And you know what? That good karma will pay off for Phil Lindsay down the road. But the fact that they're, you know, Booger McFarlane is on Monday Night Football talking about Phil Lindsay should go out and, and invest all of his money in a, in a mortgage. What the fuck? Are you serious? He could get cut in two years. He doesn't know if he's going to be here long term. NFL football players shouldn't go out and get a bunch of mortgages, dumbass. You need to get to your second contract before you can actually make any money because they limit your earning potential for nine years before you can get there. Sorry, it pisses me off. So Zeke, don't play, sit out. Melvin Gordon, don't play, sit out. If you can afford to take the fines, do it. But at the next collective bargaining agreement, They've got to figure out a way to get something for everyone, not just the 1%. It shouldn't be get to your second contract and if we like you somewhere, we'll pay you. The majority of veterans get fucked and don't get paid at all. They move on to a younger guy when the vet is totally capable of playing. I heard Joe Thomas say it on the, on the Cleveland broadcast when they were doing their last preseason game. The NFL has an epidemic with going with draft picks and valuing draft picks over veterans, and it's wrong. You get a guy who's played four or five years, you just don't want to pay him anymore, and you've got $100 million left on the salary cap, so you go with a rookie to sacrifice just so you can save a little bit of money so you don't win? I don't understand it. It's one of the reasons why New England is so successful, guys. It's not just Tom Brady and Belichick. It's the way they do things. They value football players, not draft picks. They, they cut draft picks constantly. If you don't perform there, they get rid of you. They don't care about who you are. Now, that's it goes both ways. You want to get paid, move on. Go to someone that will pay you. But the NFL has to be structured correctly to actually get the guys the money. I thought that no bonus babies would be a good thing. It's not. They need to meet someone in the middle so guys are actually getting what they what they deserve. Because they're, they're out there playing, and I hate that they're hampered Phil Lindsay being a, a pro bowler and totally outplaying his contract, he should be, Phil should be fucking striking, honestly. You think the team is going to bend over backwards to help Phil Lindsay if he gets hurt? No, they're going to cut him and medical him and give him a check and be like, later, next running back, even though they love him. It's the way it works. So the players have to do the same, and that's why I'm not mad at Zeke and Melvin and anybody else that wants to go get their money right. And the CBA, when it comes back up, they've got to do something about this. Because not having health insurance, just speaking from experience, really sucks when you're a vested veteran in the National Football League. That shouldn't happen. And then on top of that, the NFL doesn't pay taxes. So honestly, they can afford this. And number, number three, their players are sold a bag of fucking lies because you're constantly being told the number you sign for is actually what you're getting. And it's not true. The, the the roster bonus and all that is contingent on you making the team. So if they don't want to pay you, they just cut you regardless of how much money you have left on your deal. But you can go into a bank and leverage that contract with all that money against a loan or a mortgage that doesn't, doesn't necessarily, you know, sync up correctly. One side doesn't work because you got cut and you really didn't get 50 million. You only got 15, but you leveraged yourself for 100 
so it's, you know, it's very slippery slope. And in my opinion, it's very, very irresponsible for Booger McFarlane to say what he did on that on national TV. I'm running that football to Phil Lindsay like that. That is not what you want. Phil, save your money. Stay in mom's ba- stay in mom and dad's basement as long as you can. Because honestly, you're not there anyway. You're at the facility and traveling every day. All right? And go buy yourself a nice townhouse or something until you get paid. That's how this works. So Booger McFarlane, shut the fuck up. You sound like a dumbass, dude. I mean, come on. So irresponsible. Okay. Moving forward, Monday night, okay? Denver Broncos, San Francisco. Um, Personally, the joint practices were probably more important than the game. But there was a lot of good that came out of the game. Number one, hats off to Austin Slotman for getting the start at right guard. I was surprised to hear it when I heard it on the broadcast, but pretty cool. Austin's been busting his ass in in 6-0 since he walked in when he got his opportunity from TCU. Coach Thompson uh, down at TCU speaks very highly Austin, the old line coach down in in, uh, in uh, Fort Worth. So, and I'm I'm very pumped for 71. I thought he had a pretty good game. He played 46 snaps last night, the most of everybody on the O line. So they obviously like what they see. Austin started as the third string center in the beginning of camp. So this is why you keep your nose to the stone. You never know what they're thinking. Um, I'm a little surprised not to see Ron Leary, but then I'm not because he is injury prone and he's owed a lot of money, but he'll be there as the starter at right guard week one. Um, my biggest concern right now is Garrett Bowles and I'm not trying to pile on it, but I'm telling you there's a running play last night that I posted at BSN Unchained where I'm very concerned about why he's five yards in the backfield while everybody else is five yards downfield killing people. And then the holding penalty, although it's, it's a little touchy. I mean, it's a little touchy, but they're staring right at him, and he has a history of holding penalties, and he had the most holding penalties at Utah senior year, and he led the league in, as a rookie, and he led the league last year. Everyone is looking right at him, so it's not surprising. And even Emmanuel Sanders, when he got up afterwards, knew it was on him and threw his arms in the air in disgust. It's not surprising that you get the 50-yard completion to Emmanuel Sanders, who's a monster, by the way, called back. And that sucks. That's not what you want. You're you're going into this year with Garrett, and he's got to be the guy. He's got to be the leader of that old line. And it seems to me like, it seems to me like he's still stuck in the rookie funk. He doesn't look any different to me. He doesn't look different physically. He doesn't look different in his set pattern. He doesn't look different in his run blocking. He doesn't look more or less aggressive. He just looks like he did when he was a rookie. That's not a good thing. You know, last night, Reisner, Reisner has played in three preseason games, and he looks like he understands things better than, than, than uh, Garrett. So it, it, we either need to play Wilkinson or Reisner at left tackle. I think Dalton could do it and move on from Garrett. Or this kid has got to figure it out. You can't sit here and tell me that the two-coach system last year couldn't have worked, but then you bring in Mike Munchak and Chris Cooper, and they still can't figure him out? No, it's Garrett, guys. It's not Munchak and Cooper. It's not Elway. It's not fucking Matt Russell. It's n- none of them. They can't do anything for, for Bulls. Bulls has got to fucking figure it out. And I'm tired of everybody throwing it on the, you know, the administration, essentially. They can't do anything for the kid. I mean, shit. So, I, I just, I've gotten to the point where You can either look at it and sugarcoat it and feel bad, or you can say, hey, first-round rookie, pick your shit up. And I think he has the ability to do so, but if he doesn't want to do it, that's his choice. And they're going to replace him. That's the way this league works. So, let's not just linger on the negative. 
I thought that Flacco was incredible. I thought Joe Flacco was awesome. Um, he commanded the huddle correctly. He was really good in the pocket. He scrambled and had a really nice outlet pass. I, I think he had control of the offense. With a little bit more time together, I think some of those routes come to fruition. I love the strike to Cortland Sutton down the middle of the field for, I think, 21, 22 yards. I, I'd like to think that he's a answer to the problems. Now, I don't know if that's going to be the case. He could be. I guess we're going to have to fi find out. But what's the leash on Joe Flacco? At what point? Is it wins and losses? Is that the leash? Could he have 10 touchdowns and two wins and be playing good quarterback, but we're just not winning and you stick with him? Or if he if we're winning but he's not playing well, do you go with someone else? What's the what is the barometer for Joe Flacco this year? Is it based on victories? Is it based on touchdowns? Is it based on turnovers? Is it based on being able to get us in and out of the right play, which I think he's going to do an incredible job of? I think that the offensive line problems that people are seeing are fixed with Ron Leary coming back, number one, who's the vet, and honestly a guy that they can't afford not to have. And then just everybody playing together and everybody getting out there together and moving together and the calls and you know being comfortable as they progress because they don't really have time to figure it out on the fly, man. They've got a, they got a hard schedule and they got a lot of good defensive teams, especially the Bears walking into town. So I'd like to think that everything Joe Flacco has done in the past when he's bringing it to Denver, I think he's the best quarterback available on the market last year, and Denver went and got him. And I love that aggressive nature of John Elway. I don't look at it as recycling. I look at it as another opportunity for Flacco to show he can play. I, I don't think that you're just reusing something that's been worn out because it's recyclable. I think that Joe still has a lot of talent. And I think he still has a lot of football in front of him. I wouldn't be surprised if he's here for three or four years, especially if they can find a way to win. And look, Darwin James going down for the Chargers. That's not good for them. The Chargers always have injury problems. The Broncos have injury issues too, but they're more minor and cautious. Darwin James is out for four months. So we got to be able to take care of that. And we got to be able to take advantage of it when we play the Chargers. They got to win on opening night against the Raiders. You can't let a team with all this drama going on. And they're relying on guys like Richie Incognito and Vontez Burfett to be their leaders. You can't let that team beat you. But the last couple of times we've gone to Oakland, they have beaten the shit out of us. Bad. To the point where people are quitting on the field, Bradley Roby. So... That's going to be a huge indicator where we're at. Walking into Oakland, Alameda, the last time the Broncos go there to play the Oakland Raiders, the year after it'll be in Vegas, that's a huge atmosphere. They're going to be drinking for three days. They're going to be ramped up. It's a Monday night game. It's the late game as well. It doesn't start till like 9 o'clock West Coast. So you better have your mind right because there's going to be some batteries a-flying at Oakland, Alameda. So Flacco is – I heard Phil Lindsay – you know, say this on the broadcast, but he's Joe Smooth. He's Joe Cool. He doesn't let shit fluster him. He's seen everything. And that's the difference between Joe and other guys. That's why I'm so happy he's in Denver because he's the calming effect we need. To hear some of the players, notably, okay, notably Chubb come out and say that last year um, there were a lot of guys that would listen to what the coach had to say and then do their own thing on the field that they weren't responding to the coaching and they thought that the coaches didn't know what they were doing so they had it when it looked like there were guys that were not on the same page it actually was happening 
that is very concerning. But the fact that Vic Fangio has been able to come in here and calm that down in one offseason, and it seems that everybody's accountable and everybody's playing hard and everybody's accountable to the head man first and not just looking at the head man as a play holder because that's what VJ was. Everybody knew he was a lame duck coach. Vic is not. I mean, Vic is, is essentially saying today that everybody on the two deep for special teams included is, is cuttable because they're not playing well enough. we got to go find new guys. I love that. That's lighting a fire through the media all under your players' asses. So I'd like to think that everything that Vic Fangio brings and Joe Flacco brings, from a calming perspective, is exactly what the Denver Broncos need. And don't be surprised if they're competing for the playoffs going into December because I really think this team is going to turn a lot of heads. Um, for the good things that happened last night in Monday Night Football, great. For the bad things, learn. It's teachable. Everything that Garrett struggled with, it's teachable. Go fix it. Don't focus on, you know, the negative. It's my job to focus on the negative. I'm an analyst for BSN Denver. That's what I do. I can't just sit here and, you know, talk about people's feelings and all that bullshit. I'm not on regular radio. I don't have to do that, thank God. Okay? But I will say this. Everything is fixable with reps and the proper attitude. To hear something from the fans on Twitter talking about last night when they were trying to get autographs after the game and somebody yelled to Bowles, a heckler, stop holding. And Bowles freaked out and he was getting held back by people as he was yelling at spectators after the game with a gate in front of him. People looking for autographs with kids on their shoulders. Freaking out, calling the guy a motherfucker and a pussy and he'll kill you and all this other stuff. You're the left tackle for the Broncos, dog. Relax. Focus on getting better on the field. Turn all the social media and everything off. Focus on what you need to do to get better because you're the key. I know we talk about Phil Lindsay and Sanders and McGovern and Ron Leary and James and you know, Dalton Reisner's been awesome, and Flacco, and all these guys, Sutton, and all these dudes, and Noah Fant, how are we going to do this, and the offensive coordinator, but the key to the Broncos in this season is Garrett fucking Balls. If he plays well, and it, there's not holding penalties on big plays, and we don't, we aren't taking sacks and getting crushed, I think that he has all the potential in the world to be a pro bowler and stay here for a long time. But if it doesn't happen, we are in trouble. Trouble. And I'd like to think that he's the kind of competitor that will go out and fix it. But I haven't seen it yet, so it's what it is. Ah, that is episode 43 of McChesney Unchained on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Matt McChesney. Check out the show at BSN Unchained or the gym at 60 Academy on Twitter and Instagram. Check out the website at 60strength.com. Um, we cater to any and all athletes, but we are a bridge and we are in the business of getting guys uh, to the next level and obtaining big goals. Big ups to Brian Crespo, who committed to CSU last week. That's number seven for the year. Cam Smith to Wyoming, Crespo to CSU, uh, Aiden Akiakana to Notre Dame, Reese Atterbury to the University of Michigan, Cole Taylor to LSU, and big uh, uh, Rocky to BYU. So we got some dudes over at 6 0. Uh, and the, the train just keeps on rolling. But check it all out. Thank you for listening to episode 43. Uh, the top six is going to be coming up here shortly uh, on bsndenver.com. So check that out as well. And we're still looking for a sponsor. So any and all small businesses in Denver, if you would like to be the title sponsor for our video series this year on bsndenver.com, please reach out. And I'd love to talk to you. All right. Episode 43 is a wrap. Thanks for listening, folks.